0: You know, when you stand up to go to the toilet to pee, it takes a hundred miracles to happen oh, yeah. from your brain to your spine. It takes a hundred miracles to happen, and I'll never take those miracles for granted again.
1: Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I am here with Robert Farlow, and uh, he is a former, well, Retired. Retired porn military. Star. Porn star. Yeah. Adult, former CEO no. at, uh, at, was it just Coleman? Coleman, yes. Okay. Just Coleman. At Coleman. And uh, basically, he's got a story. He's got an interesting story. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go through it. So check this out. I know you've been interviewed a bunch of times. Yeah, sure. But like, you know, I just basically, it's like, to me, it's like start at the beginning. Like, where were you yeah, born? No like,
0: um, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. Sure. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm watching your show, I really like it and uh i really wish you the best man and like i said i know that you're you, you know you're an intelligent guy and i know you're going to put your your energy into good things and i know you're going to be successful again. Well I'm, most definitely i'm your, i'm your biggest cheerleader I'm, okay just like all the guys that get out that you know i am their biggest cheerleader i don't want to see anybody go in there but there are people that do belong in there and we talked about
1: that right but you, uh, you, you know that you know like uh john Boziak, yeah um he had told me about you really uh I had two I, I i had i had heard about you prior to that where I think it was Josh that mentioned it, but also uh taylor uh uh, sorry, uh Tyler my um Boziak and i's uh um like our booking agent yeah. he mentioned you okay. and I think I had two people in the comments and I had a guy. Couple days ago, mentioned you and I went back and I said, "Bro, I'm interviewing him like in in two days or on Wednesday." Cool. So it's it's funny because it's like all of a sudden it, it just within probably a month, multiple people just got bombarded. When well, like, it was meant to you gotta be, man. Check this
0: guy out. You got to check this guy out. You got to check. It was meant to be. Then, so so you where were you born? I was born in Philadelphia. I'm originally from South Philadelphia. Um, when I was uh, a young man, my father committed murder. He was in the underworld. He 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 was a uh, a bag man uh, for organized crime. He dealt drugs. He pimped women. He was a gambler. You know, ran gambling, illegal gambling, underground gambling, and uh, he ended up, uh, you know, get getting caught for a murder. Okay. And he got sentenced to life uh, without parole when I was a young man. Now the person that he murdered retaliated and burnt my, our house down, and my sister perished in that fire.
1: Three days. Yeah. The person he murdered. Excuse
0: me. The person he murdered cousin. Yeah, not the person been, he murdered. He must yeah. have
1: been Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus. It wasn't Jesus, but he
0: was the devil. Okay. And and he uh he retaliated because his uncle was murdered and he burnt our house down. My mother and I, my father was in prison awaiting bond. He had just got he just got picked up. This was in uh, 76, seven, no no, 78, 79 around that time.
1: You guys were but I mean did you get out of the house or you guys were in Well, I there?
0: my mother saved my life. She handed me to a fireman on a fire escape and my older sister was supposed to be behind her holding on to her gown and she got scared because her dog ran in the room and my sister dropped my mom's gown and ran to get her dog and when she ran into the bedroom it collapsed and then and my mom couldn't get her and then the fireman pulled my mom out and the whole house went down and my sister my my older sister died Tara okay so that's how I you know uh that was my that was a, a big event in my life a watershed event in my life because all of a sudden I had a someone who used to take care of me and like boss me around. And now all of a sudden I'm the old, I'm the only child, you know, at that time. And, um, well, my, anyway, my father goes to prison and <clears throat> my mother remarries and she remarries a big drug trafficker and, um, you know, and, uh, she gave me a, a he gave her, uh, you know, they had a baby, which was my baby brother, my little brother whom I loved. And, um, he was, you know, he was everything to me. And uh, I always wanted to protect him and things like that. And the things that were going on in the house as far as the money and the drugs being hidden and the cops coming in, kicking the doors down and the state police raiding our house. And people in the neighborhood never wanted their kids to play with me. I was ostracized. I was blackballed. Um, people would call me, your father's a jailbird in school. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. Yeah. And um, kids are dicks. Yeah. they're Yes. They could be mean. And I just remember, <clears throat> I just remember telling myself, you know, my, my, my father and my stepfather were always teaching me about how to like, you know, how to steal something, how to stay away from the cops, how to, uh, you know carry a baseball bat with you with a glove just in case you're getting a problem. Uh, you know, you can hit somebody with the bat, but if a cop stops you, you could say, hey, I'm on my way to playing softball. You know what I mean? Shit right. like that. Like little stuff they would teach me as a kid, how to hide drugs, how to hide money, how to do all this shit. And, and it was stuff I just, I was completely turned off because I was like, I don't want to live that kind of life. That's not for me. You know, I, I didn't, I wanted nothing to do with that. I, I I was disgusted. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated because I, because of, That what that life brought me and brought the pain it brought me.
1: Yeah, you're growing up around kids that have normal lives. They got a dad. uh, They've got a a mom and a dad. Yeah,
0: and at one time I had a dad and a stepfather in prison. At one time I went to Trenton State Prison on a visit, and a month later I was in Danbury, Connecticut, at the federal prison to see my stepfather. So that's I grew up in prisoning prison waiting room and visiting rooms, playing those little tic tac toe games and connect four. I was one of those kids. Yeah. So, um, and I was also, I also know what it's like to have a loved one incarcerated. And I know that the family does the time just as much as the, the person, you know, the family suffers too, you know, right. because, the, you know, your dad's not there, your mom's got to find another way to get a job or make money. And, you know, it's a, it's a ripple effect. It's a terrible effect. So I never wanted nothing to do with that life. Right. So I said, I'm going to do, you know, I don't have any positive male role models, but I have a lot of negative ones. So... I'm gonna learn from them. See, they're gonna uh, everything that they do. I'm gonna do the opposite. I just figured out this formula. It wasn't like Einstein equal E equals two, M square or whatever. Yeah. It was my little theory of relativity. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna do the opposite of these guys, and I'm gonna do something, you know, respectful and and honorable. So I joined the military as a young man, and and um, I uh, when I got in the military, um, which branch? Navy. I joined the Navy, and. Um, I uh, I loved it. I finally I finally got an opportunity. My whole life I was told, you know, you're going to be like your dad. You're going to end up in prison, you know. And then I would start acting out that way in school and things like that. I'd gotten arrested as a juvenile, disorderly conduct, shoplifting. And um, people would just tell me, you're just going to end up like your dad. And I believed it for a while. And when I joined the Navy, that was the first time I, I you know, I, I went in the Navy and I loved it. I loved the structure. I loved, you know... The whole idea of you know um, honor, courage, and commitment—all the core values—they preached down—and it was something I wanted to be. It was something I aspired to be. I would watch TV and watch the movies, and I would say, "Wow, I really want to do that one day." So I did it. And and while I was there, lo and behold, they said, "You know, I picked a job," and they said, "You'd be a great military police officer." And I'm like, "Wow, what the? You know, that's pretty crazy." So they sent me to the Navy Police Academy in Lackland, Lackland, Texas. And when I got in the police academy, when they were showing us how to search people, and they would bring in like actors from like the local dinner theater to come in and play criminals, right? right. And they would have them come in and they would hide like hide drugs in a in a in a house, like a crime scene scenario, and you'd have to respond like a domestic, and it would turn into a domestic to a drug possession to something, and you had to, you know, they were grading us. Well, I just always know this is how you search him. Keep him here. Separate him. Oh, they pro- here, it's probably in his sock. Oh, he's got something in his pocket. He keeps fidgeting. All the stuff my my dad and my stepdad taught me, like, I just keyed in on that. And then they thought I was, like, the greatest thing in the world. Right. They're like, oh, my God, this guy's great, you know? This guy's freaking... You've been, uh, you know, you've been he's tutored. Dirty
1: Harry. You've been being tutored for yeah, the last yeah. He's Dirty
0: Harry. You know, we would do these scenes where we would pull people over, and I would search the car and find the drugs right away because I knew where they, I knew where the hiding spots were. My dad taught me; they all, all right. taught me. So, um, so basically, I ended up graduating first in my class, which was the first time I'd ever been first in anything in my life. And they made me the honor graduate, and they brought me before this big crowd and these. Uh, the commanding officer, you know, they had medals, ribbons down to here, and all these important people were praising me in front of all these people. And I was, they were telling me that I was this great guy and I was the top performer and the distinguished honor graduate. And I actually at first thought they were putting me on. I'm like, no, 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 this is going to be a joke. Like Ashton Kutcher is going to come and this is punk, right? right? You know, I'd never, and um, from that point, um, they told me, since you're the honor graduate, you have the choice. You could pick a specialty school, and I said, well, what schools do you have available? And they told me we have investigator, you could be um, a bodyguard for an admiral, someone important, a dignitary, a state of, uh, you um, you know, like Secretary of the Navy or somebody like real important, be a personal bodyguard, wear civilian clothes and just drive around with them and go on all these little trips around the world. Or we have canine, dog handling. And I always had dogs my mother. We always had German Shepherds. We always had Doberman Pinschers, and my mom used to raise dogs. So I came from a family, you know, that you know loved animals, and I loved animals too. So she said, "I, I said, well, can I, you know, can I go and look and see what the canine school's about?" And 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 the lady said, "Sure. We'll, you know, we'll ha- we'll bring you over there. They're going to do a demonstration." Right. And I remember I showed up, and I saw this guy come out with this camouflage uniform on. Creases so sharp, you'd cut your fingers on them if you touched them. And he had this big, beautiful German Shepherd next to him. And the dog was walking at the heel. And there's a man out in the field with the bite suit, you know, being an aggressive person, you know, because he was going to send the dog for the bite. Yeah. And I remember he sent that dog. He said, get him. That dog ran in the field, tackled that guy down in that big bite suit. And I just remember looking at him, and I said, that's me. That's my life. That's what I want to do. And then from there, I went into the canine program and... I, uh, I uh, was a, a drug detection dog handler, bomb detection dog handler. Um, I was in two tours in Iraq, uh, counter IED, looking for bombs. Okay. Um, and it was a pretty chaotic time when I was over there. This was right after the invasion during the election time frame, and it was, it was, it was a really it, w- it was a crazy time over there. It was a lot, a lot of death and destruction. Uh, over there, and and um, are you doing, uh, Iraqi
1: freedom, or are you talking about uh, no the,
0: the sec, Iraqi freedom? freedom. Yeah, okay. 2000, yeah, two thousand and three, not ninety one. Yeah, 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 not ninety one. I was, I'm too, I'm too young for ninety one. Okay. I was, you know, so, um,
1: yeah, it's funny the um, you know, you mentioned that I, I never think of uh, I, I never think of the drug dogs. Um, as far as, you know, being in the military, but I, I guess, you Big know, Big
0: business, you, drug dogs right now. I mean, uh, in the military, we have a drug problem too. I mean, our drug dogs sweep all the barracks rooms, all the ships. I don't
1: even think about that. Yeah, I, I, I can see the I can see the bomb. You yes. Know, but we, not, yeah. well, okay. So drugs. Anyway.
0: Yeah, we have sailors. Unfortunately, we go to foreign ports, maybe Thailand or, or, or some other place and they bring drugs on the ship. Oh, okay. okay? And because they want to traffic them because they can get them there cheap. And sometimes they're even legal. They buy them in a pharmacy. And stuff like that. And they bring them on the ship illegally. And then, we, you know, we, we sweep and we find it. Okay. So, and sometimes sailors deal drugs and shit out of their rooms on yep. the base. You well, know? those ships
1: are like small cities, right? They're, they're some Like a carrier, things. of course. So yeah, like, like 5,000 people.
0: 5,000 people. You could be there for three years and not see everybody. You'll be on one side and the other person may be on the other. You could both be there at the same time. But never came near each other. Wow! Yeah, it's one of those you know things. It's real. It's if you've ever had an opportunity to go on a, a tour of an aircraft carrier, do it. It's something amazing. And um, so basically, I was a canine handler. Uh, I, I was. Um, I ended up. Uh, I, I went on from there, and I was selected to be the uh, Sixth Fleet uh, Chief Master at Arms of the Admiral Ship, which is the USS Mount Whitney. And on that ship, I became the anti-terrorism officer, security officer. And I was a, an
1: investigator, and 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 um, and that's where I
0: finished out my career, and I retired from there.
1: I was gonna say how long? How long was it before you were in uh, in Iraq? I mean, like oh,
0: I had a twenty year career, so I was I was I had done, I had two tours in Iraq. I had uh, I was I was part of the uh, Odyssey Dawn, which was the invasion of Libya. I was I was other operations too, uh, as far as as a canine handler, I would get assigned to the Secret Service sometimes to do bomb sweeps for like Vice President Cheney, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger when he came to Tokyo. I lived in Europe for five years. I lived in Asia for three years. I lived in the Middle East for two years. I lived in the West Coast. I lived, you know, um, got an opportunity to travel the world. You know, I've been, I've circled the globe, right. you know, several times. So it was, it was a great experience uh, you know, being in the Navy. When uh, did you retire? 2012. Okay. And uh, when I retired, I was looking for a new career. How old were you then? 38. 38. How old are you now? 47. Okay. Yeah, 47. And um, I was looking for a new career, and I was going, you know, I'd done police work for damn near, you know, 20 years, and I said, okay, you know, I'm going to walk into a a, a federal law enforcement job. I was was a dog handler. I had all these skills. So I was looking for, like, customs or maybe TSA, but all their duty stations were somewhere I didn't want to go. Right. And at the time, I was married, and we wanted to relocate and live in Florida because my mother had moved to Florida many years before with my brother. So they, they moved to South Florida. So that's where I wanted to eventually be. So I ended up taking a job. At, I was you know, looking on this federal job search, and I see the Bureau of Prisons. And from there, I applied, and I, uh, I was selected. I went and did the testing, and, and uh, I went in there, and uh, they hired me. So I started there August 12th, 2012, exactly one month after I retired. I started at the prison. I started their academy at the prison.
1: How long does that take? They have an academy?
0: Yeah, they have an academy. It's in Glencoe, Georgia. It's four weeks. I didn't know that. Four weeks of correctional academy. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end,
1: what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And they also bring actors in too from a dinner theater to play inmates. Too, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's kind of funny though, you know? But um, they. So I did that. I I ended up getting hired with them, and I was the type of guy, when when I went out there, I know what it was like to be in a visiting room. I know what it's like to have a father incarcerated, a stepfather. I had cousins that were in federal prison. They were drug traffickers in the 80s when the crack cocaine came in, and they jumped in on that easy money, that free money. Right. And um, they all paid dearly for it. And, and their families paid too dearly for it. And, you know, these mandatory minimums came in and just started wiping people out, you know? Yeah. I had a cousin that got 15 years on a first offense for trafficking because he wouldn't talk, Matt. He wouldn't give up anybody. Well, that
1: was a mistake. I I listen, cut everybody's throat. Well,
0: his wife, his, his wife, my cousin, she, she would say, you know, she would agree with you. <laughs> but he, he was one of those guys from Philly that just felt, you know, I'm not talking. And they hit him. They hit him with it, you know? And... And everyone else talked on him, though. Everybody yeah. else sung yeah. like canaries on him, you yeah. know. And The he, same guys that yeah. you're
1: going to prison for turn yeah. on you immediately.
0: Exactly. So he was a stand-up guy, and I, and, and I give him a lot of respect for that because, you know, he, he he really paid the price, and he did all his time. He got home, and she waited for him, and they're
1: still happily that's, married. That's that's nuts. See, that, yes. That's the part that never happens. Yes, they're
0: know? still happily
1: married. The only guys she I waited. know that that happen, happens with is if it's one, if it's short time, a couple years, or if – They've got a bunch of money. Like I know multi millionaires. Neither, neither. Yeah, exactly. The That's government what took every penny. That almost never happens. They
0: took every penny. They seized my cousin's house. They had. A, they took oh, everything. Man. Took every fucking thing because he wouldn't cooperate. So I saw. I I kind of knew how the system was working. So I also have empathy. 'Cause I, I you know, when I got to the prison and I actually saw firsthand when I started reading PSIs and things and seeing that some of these guys got fifty years, never touched a gun, no one got so much as a bloody nose in yeah. the indictment, and they're getting hit with all this time for drugs. You know, but then you got a pedophile that comes in, does his three or four years at the low, walks out, and this guy that's got thirty years for cracks gotta watch this son of a bitch come in and out of the in and out of the prison. It's so fucked up. It's you know, can I say that word? Yeah. You, Good. You, I'm going to say it fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. And, um, so I just remember when I got hired, we had an indoctrination at the training center. You go there, you stand up, you introduce yourself to everybody. And I just remember I stood up the first day and I said, hi, my name is Rob Farlow. I was in the Navy. And if you do something wrong in front of me, I will report you. And right. I told everybody that from day one, because I will. Right. Because, you know, if you do something wrong, I'll write you up too. But if an officer does something wrong, I'm gonna report them too. You know, it works both ways because you can't call these guys dirtbags if you're doing bad shit and yeah. falsifying documents and, and you know, uh, assaulting people, excessive force, or planning contraband in their fucking cells and shit. Right. You know? So I, I just made, I just put everyone on notice that, you know, that I, you know, people called me a rat, whatever, I don't give a shit. I knew from that point going forward, anybody that worked with me would be somebody that was cool with that. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So if you didn't want to work with me, yeah. That's for you. Yeah. You know, I don't care. I don't want to work with you anyway.
1: Yeah. So, Listen, yeah, I'm not, i saying you're not there to make friends.
0: Not there to make friends. No, I'm not there. I'm there to give you what you got coming and uh, get and go home. All right. You know what I'm saying? That's it. You know, I'm not there to, 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 uh, be petty, to violate anyone's rights, to mess, mess up anybody's lock, uh, locker or cell. And that kind of stuff makes me sick to my stomach. And I just, I didn't tolerate that. And people that worked with me knew that.
1: Well, so so which, where did you, which, pen which one. prisons you were, you were predominantly in? Yeah, I was one?
0: assigned to USP one, which is the max pen yeah. there. But the, the thing about Coleman is the good thing is they have two pens. You got pen one, you got pen two, which is called like a drop pen, more of a senior citizen pen. Like if you get really old at pen one and right. you can go there. Um, or if you uh, a gang drop, you dropped out and you um, debriefed, yeah. Then you can go to pen two, you know, and that's the difference. Is basically you have you have Pepsi and Diet Pepsi. Pen one is Pepsi, pen two is Diet Pepsi, right. and you got the medium and you got the low, and then you got a female camp at the time. It was a female camp, mm-hmm. and the good thing about Coleman is, as an officer, you can go on the roster and you could do overtime or you could get sent to any. Other prisons, so you get to see all the different levels of custody. Yeah. As a corrections officer, so one day, you know, I worked at USP one, and then all of a sudden they go, "We got overtime at the low." Well, everybody at Pen one wants to jump on that because that's easy eight. That's an easy eight overtime. Right. You know, and Pen one, you're running all the time with the body alarms. You know, you got an inventory, pack property, all that shit. You know, and you go to Pen two, or you go to the camp, or you go to the, or, or or you go to the medium, and it's a it's an easier day. You right. know what I mean? and um, so I would, I would take advantage of those opportunities and I would work at all the different custody levels because when I went into something, just like anything, when I enter it, I always wanna be, I always see myself with a long-term strategic plan. I say, okay, today's an officer, five years, I wanna be a lieutenant. Right. You understand? So I have a plan going in because I jump into things with both feet. I don't half-ass stuff. All right, so, oh, okay, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Nice oh, I was gonna say, um, so at, at Pen 1, like how often are those guys Locked up.
0: Well, they were locked down pretty frequently because of the violence.
1: Right. now, I, I retired
0: before COVID, and I hear COVID. I hear now it's just pretty much a shoe. Now yeah. they just lock it down twenty four seven, and very very limited movement. Yeah, you know, and, and it's uh, you know, but when I was there, we would lock down for violence. We would have a fight, uh, maybe possibly a gang uh, beef that could overflow into the next day or the next shift and we would just, as a precaution, keep them locked down for a week, two weeks, a month, and uh, to let everything cool down. So we were locked down quite frequently because of violence, we had a murder there, we've had many assaults, many rapes, and uh, I was part of the uh, evidence recovery team. I was on a special team there and I used to actually go and um, collect evidence for crimes and things like that. So I got to process stuff and train with the FBI and all that kind of
1: cool shit. Yeah, I don't know if you—I mean, obviously, you weren't there in to, if you were there in 2012. It, when I was in the medium, I remember they had, like, six guys got stabbed, a couple guys, people got shot. They, We could hear the helicopters, and yeah. they locked us down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was in yeah. the medium then. Yeah. What was funny about that was there was a newspaper article that came out, and it said that the— the Coleman Complex, like you know, there was a uh, there were several people that were like life flighted to the hospital. Yeah. There were several mm-hmm. shootings. There was uh, a yeah. several six people got hurt. Yes. An officer. So they go on and on, and then they put that the the complex holds such notorious criminals as. And Matthew they, Cox. Yeah, no. one of them. No, one of them was Matthew Cox. So it said Conrad Black. Black, yes. Who was at the low? Yes. Me, yes. I was at the media. Like everybody they named, none of them were in that riot, like in the pen. Yeah, we're in the pen, But if yeah. you read it, it seems, I'm like, it looks like I was in the pen, in the riot. I mean, yeah, practically yeah, puts yeah, me yeah. in the riot, yeah. which was hilarious. because Yeah,
0: they love, the media yeah. loves to spin their tails. The man. closest
1: I got was hearing them, hearing the helicopters, <laughs> some gunshots, and yeah. them screaming, lockdown. Yeah. We were locked down for like three yeah. days.
0: It, it was, I mean, coming from an environment, a combat environment
1: where, you know, you,
0: you're you constantly on guard and your situational awareness is always high. You're heightened alert. You know, working at the pen, it was like pretty easy for me to transition because I was used to that working in a high stressful environment right. in the military, whether it's the te- finding bombs or investigating crimes or, or things like that or planning um, planning uh, against repelling possible terrorist attacks against our assets and stuff. So it was, it, I'm kind of used to that, like a, like an adrenaline junkie type of guy. So I, I like that kind of occupation,
1: you know? Um. So, uh, hey, I, okay, why do you know Whitey Bulger, right? Yeah, Whitey. Where was he? Was... He
0: was at Penn 2. I okay. saw him a couple times when I, w- when I would do overtime with him. And I remember one time, like, because he was the only living inmate that actually served time in Alcatraz. Yeah. At one time, so I remember. I remember saying something to him, like you know, I was doing an overtime, and he he had a walker, you know, he he would go with this walker, and I remember saying something to him, and 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 uh, I was like, uh, m- you know, uh, Mr. Bolger, uh, I, you know how I said to him, you're pretty, you're a pretty popular guy, and he was like, yeah, that's my problem, like yeah. remember, that's my problem, kid, like you, you know, muttered it under his breath, and and um, I remember he said something along the lines like. Uh, one of the one of the counselors said to him, uh, you know, "He was complaining about something," and she said, "I guess you don't like the accommodations here." And he said, "No, I was better in Alcatraz. I wish I could go back there <laughs> or something like that." He made some kind of off the you know thing, but um, they transferred him to Hazelton, and he was dead within se- six or seven hours. Mm. Right? Was it Hazelton? Lee I County, I think it was. Hazleton. I mean, I don't know. I know I do. One know. of them, I forget. I think it was Hazelton, maybe. Or I
1: know they killed him. Um, killed him
0: immediately. Within six hours of getting off the bus, you know, that guy should have been in segregation. There's no way that was a, that was, yeah, he, I,
1: he should have been in the medium. Absolutely. Or the, he's not, he's an old man. Absolutely.
0: He's not, absolutely. Yeah. I remember there was, I was sitting on dry cell. You know what dry cell is?
1: Mm.
0: If someone uh, was suspected of ingesting contraband in the visiting room, you have to keep them in an isolation cell and they have to have three successful bowel movements. Okay. And you have to watch it.
1: Uh, so right. you talk Good about time. a shitty
0: day. Yeah. It's a shitty day. Yeah. And I remember I had an inmate on dry cell, and I don't know some some guys get angry with the term inmate prisoner. I don't know, you know, some guys are sensitive about that.
1: But oh, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, I'm a convict. Yeah, and I I, whatever, I I just bro.
0: say prisoner inmate at the time because that's what it, that's what it was at yeah, the time. Yeah. You're still a human being, but at the time you were classified as an inmate, but a human being, but an inmate. But, um, and he told he was in the shoe with Whitey the night before he transferred. And he told me that Whitey told him, he said, yeah, I'm going to this place and yeah, they're, I'm going to die there. I remember him telling me that like five days after I was sitting on this guy watching him and he told me he was in the shoe with him and he, Whitey told him, yeah, they're going to kill me. I'm not going to make it, you know, so it was it was kind of I don't know. I, I think somebody orchestrated that. I don't get conspiracy theoried, but, you know, that's that was a pretty that was a, that was like a rookie mistake for the shift lieutenant to not recognize this guy and know that he had separatees and things like that. I mean, they usually know that before you get off the
1: bus. That was just I don't know, that just didn't smell right to me. Well, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this, like the the, the cust or not the custody level, but the, the actual security around, let's say, like the pins yeah. and the medium. And mm-hmm. you know, look, I was I was in the medium. I mean, I've I've gone to the pen. Only oh, I was in the pen for 24 hours. Okay, I was there in the shoe.
0: You got your street cred then I guess.
1: <laughs> listen, in the shoe, and the whole time they were walking me in there because I had to go to the shoe. Oh, I'm sure they were. The, listen, I was like, "Hey, bro," to the COs, was like, "Oh, you can't put me in with one of these guys." I yeah, mean, these yeah. guys have tattoos on yeah, their eyeballs yeah, 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 and they're yeah, fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and he's like, "No, no, no, no Cox, it's okay. Yeah, you don't worry. That. You're gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We yeah. know, we know better." Yeah. And they were so cool. Like they put me in a room. They go, "Look, I, Cox, I got you some books." I got this. I got that. He, I remember he said, "You're a he, medium
0: prisoner, and we know." No, that. At that time,
1: I was a low.
0: Okay. Well, they know that, and they don't want nothing. I mean, they don't want nothing bad to happen. God, if they put you in with a with a, uh, a pen guy, that's that's a big no no. Oh, exactly. You it, it,
1: those guys. When you're walking in this shoe, I could see you could see the um, the wreck yard. Man, they look like cage fucking animals, yeah. and I don't mean just because of the cages. I'm. Are they, they are. They're, they're, they're just. they the tension detention. And they just tatted up, yep. and they just looked like they were bottled energy. And I remember thinking, oh, hell no. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't put me in. And they were like, no, yeah. no, 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 don't worry. And, you know, I was there 24 hours. Next day, they called me out. They said, hey, Cox, should have been locked up. We're, we're bringing you back. Yeah. Give me about an hour. Because they didn't have a shoe. Well, you were going to the medium. What was the shoe full
0: in the medium? Yeah. What's so funny full. is the one
1: guy that I went with, he went to the medium. And okay. that was it. They were, like, full. Mm-hmm. And then they brought brought me to the to the – you know, to the, uh, the pen. And I was like, yeah, the pen oh, one this, shoe. Is, this is fucked up. Yeah. And luckily 24 hours later, I was right back, you know, right. Well, back I below. would know
0: when we would get a guy from the low or something at the shoe, like an overnight person, you know, they're not going to give you any trouble. They just want to get put in their cell and they're not, you're not going to hear a peep out of them. No. It's the guys that are, you know, it's the guys on your range that are from pen one that, you know, are the ones that are going to be kicking doors and screaming, yeah. and throwing piss
1: and all that shit. And what, well, you know, the, the, so the pen, like listen, you, this is what kills me is that the, the custody levels are so fucking outrageous. Like I went to a medium. Yeah. First of all, you know, well, you know, you got tw- over, I had over 20 years. Yeah. You're an escape risk. Are you out of your, out of the pit? I mean, out of the medium, like you're yeah. not getting out of the pen. You're nobody's you getting an out escapist,
0: of the escape risk. Cause of the time or did you have an attempt?
1: Time. If you had over 20 years, okay, you right. had to go to the medium. Okay. Under 20, you could go to the low cool. under 10. You can go to a camp. But okay. as soon as I got to the medium, my counselor was like, yeah, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know. Um, you, I'm glad you had a council that had some brains that actually recognized that,
0: because some people would just throw you out there and say, you know, fend for yourself.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, she did. I mean, what she oh. did, all she did was say, you really shouldn't be here, but you're here. Oh, she didn't? Okay. Oh, she did, they all didn't right. move me. No, okay. I stayed there.
0: Can I ask you her name?
1: Um, It was, her name was, I, I don't know her na- first name. Her name was Bates. She died about... Five or six months later.
0: I know who you're talking smoked about. Smoked like a chimney. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Super yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. She was a salty, yeah, salty yeah. lady. Yeah, yeah, she'd been there a while. Yeah, I know who you're talking about.
1: She died. Um, a heart like attack an, or something. Yeah, had a yeah, heart yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah, in her yeah. sleep or something yeah. like that. It, mm-hmm. She was like in her 50s, but she yeah. smoked like a yeah, chimney, she was a, bro. Yeah,
0: like yeah, chain smoker. Definitely. Um,
1: you know, even though there was no, there's, there's no tobacco on the compound, mm-hmm. it, man, she didn't give a fuck. She walked right out yeah. on the tablet and it would smoke and come back in be in there for 20 minutes, come back out, smoke, yeah, go back. to smoke. Yeah yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah I know. But very nice. Super, super cool. Um, And thank God, um, uh, not that due diligent on her uh, paperwork because I actually came in with, and I had restitution, right? Mm-hmm. So I got in there and she has you fill me filling out my paperwork and I said, okay, you know, sign here, sign here. She goes, okay, well, you have to make restitution payments. And I went, well, what? And she goes, you have to make restitution payments. And I went, no 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 I said listen my judge said I, I owe restitution I said but I don't have to make any payments while I'm incarcerated I said I have no money I have no job and
0: 20 cents an hour is you right know, it, you get the prison job uh, pay scale
1: well and I I had just gotten there and yeah. she went she looked at me and she said I mean well first of all she said you don't have any money on your books yet yeah, okay. and she said but you have to she said you have to pay and I went listen I said my my lawyer made two arguments with restitution one I shouldn't have to pay interest. And mm-hmm. two, I said, I shouldn't have to pay while I was incarcerated. Yeah, I said, and I know those are the only two arguments she won. By the way, this is a complete lie. Sure. And, and, and she said, okay, well, I'm going to look into it. I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at your judgment commitment. I'll see what it says. She says, and I'll get back with you. And I said, okay, cool. I get up and I leave. I don't hear anything from her. Six months later, she dies several months later. A few months later, I get called into the office. Because it's team. Yeah, team. You got your team, unit team. Yeah. Right. So the unit manager there, my counselor's there, and they said, "Okay, Cox, yeah, you're fine. Everything's good. I mean, you got a lot of time. Like, you know, just try and keep yourself busy, stay out of trouble." Yeah, yeah. And they went, um, "You're not paying restitution." <laughs> and he, and they go, "But you're not on, um, what do they call it when you didn't pay? You're not on um, like a
0: garnishment type of thing where they where they deduct it out automatically if you get any money in your books or
1: something." No, well, what it, you're not on. Um, Where they basically they put you on refusal. Oh, you're not on refusal. She says, You're not on refusal, but you're not paying. And I went, Well, I don't have to pay. And actually this was a guy. And I said, No, I don't have to pay. This is my new counselor. And I went, I don't have to pay. And he goes, Well, why is that? I said, No, I said, I I went over this with Miss Bates and they were like, Well, she's not here. I said, I understand. I said, you know, I explained what happened with my lawyer, boom, boom, boom. I said, She checked into it. I said, She called me back in. She said, You're right. I looked into it. It I've never seen it before, but you don't have to pay. I said, okay. cool. And I said, so I've never paid. And he went, I said, you can check. Look at my file. And the file's there. It's this thick. Yeah, and yeah, I go, look yeah. at my file. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He said, I'll check. I'll let you know. I said, okay, cool. I get up and I leave. Six months later, I have another counselor now.
0: Yeah. I, I, you, so you, Boy, you're nailing it right on the head how oh, it works in there, huh?
1: Listen, so this time... So they go. You're not on FRP refusal. That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not on. You're FRP. triggering me right now right. with all
0: this lingo. You're saying, but go ahead.
1: He goes. You're not on FRP refusal. And I went right. And I said, Yeah, I know. He said, But you're not paying. And I went, No, no. I said, Listen. I said, I went over this with Miss Bates. I went over this with Mister Johnson or whoever his whatever that guy's name was. I said, and I explained it all again. He goes, and I said, You can look. I said, they 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 both checked it out. And he goes, No. He said, I'll check it. out. he's out. And the unit manager's there, and he's like, Yeah, yeah. He's, he he's we'll let you know. I said, Okay, cool. I get up on leave. I that guy. For like the next two years, I think he was my counselor. Then I had another counselor, which was like Miss Brown or somebody. Miss
0: Brown, yeah, yeah, sure.
1: And then same went through the same thing with her. Go, I go to the low. I this first day, Mister
0: Mister Smith. Mister Smith, yeah, Mister Smith, Mister um, <laughs> Smith.
1: And he goes, and he was like, "Oh, I remember." He was listen. I I, I liked him, yeah. but he was a dick to to me. he had been was, around a long time, yeah. Mister Smith. Right? Here's what he yeah. said. I remember he said to me. He, he looked at it and he goes, "Jesus Christ, Cox." He goes, "You got." You got 26 years. He goes, your nuts are gonna be hanging down by your knees when you get out. Oh my god! And I just went. I just <laughs> thought, what oh my fucking god! Horrible? <laughs> and and he goes, well, what's up with this uh, with your FRP? And I said, bro, I don't have to pay FRP. So I tell him the same thing. Then I go to Miss Jenkins. About a week later, Ms. I'm Jenkins. in Miss Jenkins. Yeah. God, she was something else. So I go to Miss Jenkins. He and she goes, what's up with your FRP? You're not paying. And I and he happens to walk in. I said. Mr. Smith just asked me the same thing. I said, he looked, he checked out my file. I said, I don't have to pay. And now that's not what happened at all. I just told him the story. And yeah. he, goes, he goes, yeah, yeah. He said, it's, he said, it's weird, but he's he's never paid. He's never had to pay. He said, if several people have looked into it, he's, he doesn't have to pay. And she goes, oh, okay. I go, can you make a notation mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, because I said, then you guys computer, keep saying yeah. this. And she goes, I'll, I'll put in a note. I said, okay. She didn't do it. Yeah, I doubt she did it. Yeah. Listen, I never was asked about it again. I went 12 almost 13 years until I went to App and an app they RDAP, caught it okay and it goes to Grand Prairie that's when they caught it yeah but um yeah so anyway what I was gonna so I just thought that was comical I got you um so I did three years in the medium but honestly like so the pen I mean you know how it's set up like nobody's getting out of there no <laughs> the medium nobody's getting out of there Shit, we
0: run to get out of there after a shift so we don't get mandated you know because a lot of times you get off and you got no relief and they go you're mandated you got to stay you know so now you're doing eight another mandate in other words i finished my eight hours right and no relief shows up someone banged in called in sick okay they got no relief from me so then they call me on the phone and say sorry you got to stay there for another eight hours do you want to stay there? Or I can swap you to another unit, but you got to stay.
1: Yeah, I understand. So I mean, but you're not escaping. No,
0: no, no. I'm no but I'm saying, what I'm, saying I'm saying that's why, that's why <laughs> officers at the end of their shift, when they get relieved, they bolt. There's the lieutenant's office. You go the other way. Yeah, because they'll stop you and say, wait, 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 you know, and you try to run the fuck out of there and get right. to the gate. Like You're trying to escape, too, you know, but they have to buzz you through. You know that through the um, yeah, Sally yeah. ports, so they'll tell the control officer to keep the door locked and not let you out. So they're locking you in too.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 <laughs> the, the security is outrageous. Sure, it's outrageous. Well, it's gotta be. even it's in the low. You're like what well, like I, we mentioned it before. Like you're not. It, it's too late. It's the, the 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 what? There's motion sensitive. Yeah, everything. Yeah. There's what four layers of uh, concert, concertina wire, mm-hmm. two fences, and a patrol guard that drives around. Yeah. I mean it's insane. And that's just what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's you there's just no way. Yeah. There's more. Oh, I'm sure yeah. maybe I can't divulge, no, but I there's understand. more. I'm
0: It doesn't you're matter. Not getting out of I'm there. not getting over the fence. No, no.
1: no yeah, it's no. it's bad. No.
0: Matter of fact, there was one guy that actually escaped while I would not at Coleman, but another pen, I think it was in Texas, and he they he got over the electrical fence. And they were so puzzled how he did. Now, they caught him right away, but he got over the electrical fence. They were so puzzled how he did it that they actually told him, if you show us how you did it, instead of the five years or whatever on the escape, we'll give you like 18 months. Right. But you got to give it, and he did a video and demoed it. Nice. And he used, plat like he stole plastic things from Wreck and he put them on the, the barbed wire, like so it didn't have, on the electrical, so it didn't, and he put his foot there, and then he had the other put his hand there, and he was like just doing that to get over the fence, so he couldn't get shocked. He showed him in a video how he defeated it. Yeah. So you know, it was kind of like you know, show us how you did it, and we'll and we'll you know, you know, so you don't get hit with the whole thing. But he did. So he was telling him how he defeated the fence because we were like, you know, how the hell did this? How did he, did he get over there? So and then of course they make recommendations and fix the, fix the things and stuff like that. You know. But yeah, we, we, we have twenty four hour uh, electrical security fences. We have a very high tech system. Nobody's getting out of there,
1: you know. And what was the the majority of your time? You said was basically the pen, right? pen one, yeah, pen right. one, yeah. So what is? I mean, what's what's that like? Like, what's a day at the pen? Like, like a, not a lockdown day, but like a kind of a like regular normal. day
0: is. You know, it it pretty much runs itself. But you know you have to be aware because at any minute you're going to hear the the tones. You know the body alarm is going to go off and you're going to have to respond, lock your unit down. You know, do things like that. It can go from mundane to complete sheer terror. I mean, like two guys are stabbing each other. Right. You know. I mean, it can go from that to a big fight in the unit. You know, ten guys are rumbling, locking a sock, you know, all that shit going down and. You know, and and it's just, it's one of those things like, you know, you just, you show, it's something different every day. And it's, 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 you have this, I don't know, you have this heightened sense of, you know, at any moment something can happen. So it's kind of like, it's, I don't know, it was a little exciting for me. I like that. Well, it's funny that you say lock in a
1: sock. Like that sounds benign, but mm-hmm. no, that'll fuck you that'll up. Fuck a, you lock all, and a lock in a sock. Oh, God, yeah. So one of the, probably the most blood I think I've ever seen was a guy get hit in the back of the head yeah. the guy, I don't know if it was a belt or a sock just mm-hmm. ran up behind him and hit him yeah, in the head a phone, a guy, three I or I four times
0: like one time. right when he was on the
1: phone I remember he
0: came out of his cell like
1: Indiana Jones
0: with the whip and he was like this and I'm just watching him and he went like this and the guy was on the phone and by the time he looked here it just, his eye socket gone, everything uh-huh. gone I mean right there and he was just i mean pouring blood, he was out like a light the guy just got his, put it in his pocket walked in the cell and just started packing his shit because he knew he was getting locked up. And that was it. I just, I locked everybody down. I came to his cell. He's like, I'm ready. You know? <laughs> it was just like that. Jesus. You know? So, so I worked there. And I always, I always, I never had a problem, at because I gave people respect. I, um, I always treated people how I'd like to be treated. I, I never abused anybody. I don't, you know, I would bump into, even now on my YouTube channel, I have, you know, Guys that, you know, that uh, were inmates and worked in my, you know, that were in the units with me and stuff that, you know, send me, you know, comments on my YouTube page, a channel and like, you know, like everything this guy says is legit, you know, because I tell prison stories and right, right. things like that on my YouTube channel. Where
1: where are you from? I mean, where are you running your channel? At my house. No, I mean, I'm saying it's Tampa, Orlando. Orlando, Orlando. Oh, okay, Orlando. Yeah, Orlando. yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. I don't have a nice big,
0: you know, fancy studio like, like you, you know, with pictures of President Trump. <laughs> By the way, 2024 when he's president again, put that painting in with your pardon application. Cuz I think he'll sign it. He'll see that and he'll say, "Matthew Cox, let's
1: clear his record." I have a bunch of these. Send him one with your pardon application. I'll give, I'll give you one if you want it.
0: I like it, man. Yeah. I would appreciate that. That would be awesome. Him, I have them in the garage. I like I, you that. You
1: didn't man. go in the garage. I'll i take you I'll take you in the garage and show you where I I, we... I
0: didn't see it, but I I love I love, you know, I'm looking at him and, you, and you're very talented, Matt. You're very talented, buddy. I like that. Appreciate it. Definitely. So I was there, and I was working there. I worked there for seven years. Um, loved the job. Was doing great. Um, and all of a sudden, I, I um, you know, I, I, I lot, things were going on in my life. I was going through a rough divorce. Uh, you know, I was, I was, you know, down in the dumps. Um, and uh, you know, I was drinking a lot and doing things like that. You know, because I financially, I was paying lawyers all the time, and my house was gone, and I had to sell everything, and all this stuff like this. And you know, I remember there was a big um, staff outbreak in the in the prison staff infection.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: we would always have they have inf- they had a legionnaires outbreak. Legionnaires, I thought was cured in the seventies, but they had a legionnaires disease outbreak at the at the female camp. You know, yeah. they would always have you know whether it was lice or crabs or friggin' whatever it was, it was, you know, and they had a bad staff outbreak in pen 1, staph infection. And I remember a couple weeks after that, maybe two weeks or so after that, I developed an eye infection really bad. And it started in one eye and my eyes swell up and, and it was like very sore. It was like someone just like beat me up and punched me, but it was just like, oh, the pressure on it and it was... Next thing you know, it started to bleed a little bit out of my tear duct. So I, I, you know, I'm one of those guys that last minute doesn't go to the doctor. It's always like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I still worked, everything, you know, I would use. And then all of a sudden I said, okay, maybe I got pink eye. Let me go in and get checked. So I go to one of these clinics and and um, they tell me it's pink eye. Oh, at this time it spread to the other eye too. It, it went over finally. And... They gave me medication for pink eye. I put it on. I put it in my eyes. I did it for a couple of days. It got worse. Finally, I woke up one morning and my eyes were just blood, just dried blood shut. I had to go in the sink and just throw. And it. it was like it was like the Exorcist, man. So I went back to the doctor. I went to the VA, and uh, I went an optometrist. And he said, No, that's not pink eye. You have a staph infection in your eye. And it needs to be treated because you know it, it can you know go in your body and hurt you yeah. and kill you you know. Yeah, yeah. So he gives me antibiotics and and medicine and says it'll clear up in a couple of days. And I took the medicine. A couple of days, it went away and it was fine. And I was you know everything was fine. My vision wasn't affected. It went away. It just like went away. Um, about two or three weeks later, after it went away, I started developing serious back pains. Like and I, I norm, I have a bad back anyway from being in the military all those years, backpacking, you know, carrying a rucksack or lifting up my sea bag or you know going up and down ladder wells and ships and going up and down the tiers and all that shit, and um, but this was a different kind. It felt like someone had a knife in me and they were just twisting it, like right Mm. in this one particular spot. So, of course, I'm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, laying flat. I'm taking hot, you know, cold, hot, putting ice packs on it, doing all kinds of things. I'm like, I got to get my back checked. This, this is hurting me, so I go in and. You they, didn't think it was related. No, okay. didn't put two and two together and make four, man. And I went and I went and I got a, a, a an X-ray. Uh, I went into the emergency room. I got an X-ray, and they said, "Well, your back is, your back is damaged, you know, but I don't, see, I don't see anything, you know, really bad," and um. They said, but I, you know, other than that, I don't see, you know, anything in that area. What do you mean, damage? What, well, what, I had degenerative like? degenerative disc disease. Okay, which and is things. unrelated. Unrelated. Un- Un- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just I had a lot of a lot of damage on my back, for, you know, from that. So, um, they told me, here's some muscle relaxers. Take these. Blah blah blah. Right? Okay. So I'm taking muscle relaxers, and my back is still hurting. But since I'm taking the muscle relaxers, it's masking it. Yeah. And um, next thing I know, about A week later, I come home from work. I was working morning watch. I get off at 8 a.m., 12 midnight to 8 a.m. I drive home. I lay down in my bed, and I woke up a couple hours later, and I urinated myself, and I couldn't move my legs. They were just jello. They were done. So uh, my girlfriend, at the time, she called 911. They had me out of there in an ambulance. They took me to the emergency room, and... I was in the emergency room. They had to put. I had to pee so bad, but I couldn't urinate. My bladder was like, you know, I couldn't urinate. So they had to catheter me. Right. And I don't know if you've ever had that. No. Okay. Well, yeah, I've been lucky. It's not good. And they're. I'm. I'm totally anticipating this painful, you know, thing, and and they hit me with it, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, and I'm like, and next thing you know, I feel great because the it's all, you know, all that stuff is getting relieved, and the doctor's like he's like, I don't know what's going on with you, you know, because of course they think, I don't know, maybe they think because I'm a government employee, I'm trying to fake it to go out on a disability or some shit like that. I don't know. But there was a military doctor there that was a Naval Reserve doctor, and he saw my Iraq bracelet on, and he came in the emergency room and started talking to me, and I told him what was going on. And he said, send this guy for an MRI. I think he did an MRI. He sent me for an MRI. As soon as I get back from the MRI, 15 minutes later... He comes running in and he's like, I gotta get you on a helicopter and get you out of here. You have a an abscess on your spine. And I'm like, an abscess? What you know, whatever. And I'm like, he's like, I gotta get you to emergency room. I just got off the phone with a with a surgeon, a spinal surgeon. They're waiting for you. And I was like, Oh shit, because I'm so freaking oblivious that I'm thinking I'm having a bad reaction to the to the muscle relaxers. And this they'll probably give me a shot and this will all come back, like no problem. Right. right? Next thing I know, they wheel me out, they put me, send me to the emergency room, doctors are waiting for me, you know, and this one doctor, I remember he looked like Richard Dreyfus on Jaws, remember Richard Dreyfus when he played in Jaws, okay, he had a little bit of a beard, and he had that, you know, and he said to me, he said, "Um, uh, Mr. Farlow, you have an abscess on your spine, and it's caused you to get paraplegia, and you will never walk again. And this is before the surgery? Right as they're wa- I mean, the, the the anesthesiologist is here asking me how much I weigh. He's here telling me the paramedics are behind me, pushing me. And he said, Right now I'm concerned about saving you from the neck from the the waist up. The waist down's gone. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's telling me he's like you're never gonna walk again. I remember him saying that and he kept doing this in your head, it's never, you know, you're never gonna be able to walk again. He kept doing this. And I'm looking at him, and the lady asked me how much I weigh, and I said, give me enough to kill an elephant. And I told her that, the, the anesthesiologist, because I said, that's it, I don't want to live. You're telling me I'm never going to walk again? What the, you know? Right. And they, uh, they put me to sleep. I woke up. The next day, it was my birthday. I was wrapped up like a mummy. I had a tube in my throat, a tube down there, a tube in my rear, and um, they were all looking at me. When I came out of it and they, they you know, uh, the doctor was talking to me and he was, he was telling me the same thing. You had an abscess. I had to cut your back open. You had staph infection that penetrated into your spinal cord at your T6 level, thoracic 6. And from that abscess pushing into your spinal cord, the infection, the pus, contaminated your spinal cord. Yeah. And it caused you to have paraplegia from the waist down.
1: And I'm like, wow,
0: I don't want to live no more.
1: At this point, can you feel your feet or anything? Nothing. Nothing.
0: Everything's gone. It's all gone. I can't move. I can't feel. It's like jello. I feel everything from the waist up. They cut me right here. I was split down the spine like a Thanksgiving turkey. I have, I mean, I'm cut right down. Because they had to open me up wide. And they had to clean all that, that infection out. They even had to remove two little bones that were there that were so infected that they were just brittle that they didn't want them to break off that they they removed them and they don't know very much about they even like the, the best doctors in the world I found this out after but they only know a limited amount with your spine and your brain how they communicate they know how it they, they know how like this releases this and all that but they don't know how it works yet they're still like you know scratching the surface of that stuff you know and and now they're doing implants with chips and all that other stuff and stem cells but um i woke up the next day they told me the news again i thought it was a dream it was my birthday i'm paralyzed for the waist down and that's when my you know and and that's when you know the nightmare all hit me now in between this time i left this out it's very distasteful for me to talk about but while i was while i was going through this this uh divorce my brother was a heroin addict and he had gotten sober but then he fell off the wagon and he was living in Fort Lauderdale with my mother and he was starting to steal things from her. So I said, bring him up here. I have this big house and I'm going to get him health insurance, you know, through, you know, I got him health insurance. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to get him into a rehab. And while I did it and I brought him up there, he, um, he ended up committing suicide in my house and he died in my arms. So, this was all going on. I, my wife left me after that, and this had all spun, and then the staph infection, and now I'm paralyzed. So, this was so a really
1: shitty this time. Was,
0: this was, the, you can't get any lower than this, right. you know? And then my cat died, who was like my best cat, you know, because I'm an animal lover. I had, a, I had a cat. He was with me for, you know, 15 years, and he was like my best buddy, and he died. And, you know, it was all right after, one, two, three, one, two, three. So... It was a very bad time. And I just woke up and I said, you know, I, I don't want to live no more. You know, I want to die. And I was, I was trying to ask people to bring a gun in so I could blow my brains out in the hospital, you know. And, and uh, you know, they, they were trying to get me, you know, they were, you know, uh, I was in the hospital for three months because my infection, what they have to do is they have to put you, they put me in an infectious disease ward with other people that were, like, compromised. Because when you have a massive infection like that, your immune system's low. Yeah, So they have to put you in an isolation area, and they had to run IV antibiotics in my arm every day, two different bags, two different antibiotics, and they do it for 45 days straight, so it's like a full spectrum.
1: To try and kill the...
0: Whatever it is, they treat you for every virus known to, every infection known to man, and they give you the antibiotics for it, and it's like a 45-day, only intravenous, two bags a day, two different drugs. So I was going through that, and this is before COVID, all right? So that we're talking, uh, January. Excuse me, November 2019. I was paralyzed on my birthday, so I'm in the hospital. November, December, January, February. Finally, they they release me, and um, I end up going. You know, they told me I would need uh, assisted living forever, that I would need care, 24-hour care. Um, you know, a catheter. You know, I, I wasn't able to pee on my own. I wasn't. I was wearing diapers. Um, it's really humbling experience when you're shitting yourself again, like a baby and you're wearing diapers, right. you know, and, and you're, you're, you know you're, you're watching TV and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh Jesus, I got to get changed. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very, it's very humbling, you know? And, and I, I, um, they were giving me a whole bunch of pain pills. They were giving me whatever prescriptions I wanted, Oxycontin, whatever the fuck I wanted, man, I got whatever I wanted, you know? Right. And while I was, uh, you know, I would try to get people to smuggle me alcohol. It was like I was, I was like in the prison. I was like paying off the CNAs, like the nurses' assistants. Right. You know, here's twenty dollars. Bring me back a little bottle of vodka when you go out. Like I was, I was, I was getting people to bring me contraband in, right? When I was in that thing, you know, because I couldn't move myself, you know. And um, so I was working my, uh, you know, using my prison, my prison smarts to get things into me, you know. Even food, you know, because they have you on this bland diet, whatever. Pick me up a cheeseburger, at, you know, checkers or something and bring it in. You know, I would, I would do things like that because I didn't give a fuck. I was going to die anyway. I knew as soon as I can get out of this, you know, I can get around somewhere where I can get something, maybe some pills or whatever. And I'm going to just take them all and just, you know, go to sleep forever.
1: Well, I can understand. Yeah.
0: And um, so I'm taking all these pain pills and they had me on a morphine pump. And, you know, and next thing I know, I'm. You know, I end up getting discharged and I had a caregiver. She was an angel. She's an angel. I had physical therapists that were angels too that came into my life and saved me. And, and you know, and, and I remember um, when I got home and I had a friend, I, I wouldn't let anybody see me, not even my mother. I like, I refused visits. I just didn't want anyone to, see. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. Because right. I was a big guy. I worked out. You know, this and that. I was in good shape. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt. I'm an instructor. I've done this for 25 years. You know, I've been doing this. The military, I was always known for my physical prowess, for my athleticism and stuff. And um, that was gone. You know, that was gone. Not being able to work out, not being able to do jujitsu, jitsu not being able to have sex. It's all gone. All taken from you. And I had no will to live. And I had a buddy, and he came to see me, and he said, "I'm coming to your apartment, and I'm not taking no for a fucking answer. You're gonna let me in, All right?" So he came to see me, and and um, I'm laying there, and and uh, you know he he, he hands me a, a a joint, and I said, "What the fuck is that?" I'm like, "I don't want that, you know, because I'm anti-drug. I'm the cop, that, you know, a drug dog handler. Yeah, yeah. I'm the guy. I'm anti that. I'm like, that's a those are drugs. Get those the fuck out of here." Right. But I have a whole stack of pain medication right here. Yeah,
1: I was going to say. Uh, but you're, exactly. But you in my mind, all, this came think, from...
0: This is from a doctor, Matthew. It's not a, a drug. you have a prescription? Yes, it's not a drug. That's a street drug. This is cannabis. Right. By the way, this is cannabis. So, he hands it to me, and then I said to myself, well, fuck it. I might as well just go out as a drug addict too, you know, because the pain pills. So, I lit up that joint, and I smoked it, and completely saved my life it elevated my mood it brought my mind temporarily away from what I was in it, it, it helped me with my pain it helped me with my motivation and it completely just elevated my mood and I said to myself well, I don't need all this shit I got this this is better you know so when people say that marijuana is a gateway drug they're wrong Marijuana was an exit drug for me. It helped me exit Big Pharma. And the first drug you usually try is what?
1: Marijuana, alcohol.
0: No, alcohol. That's a gateway drug. Alcohol, tobacco, then usually marijuana. So I started researching, reading all these books like Marijuana Manifesto from Jesse Ventura and uh, the history of marijuana and how it was made illegal and how it was based on, you know, basically uh, it had a racial... Uh, component to it, the war on drugs by President Nixon, he wanted to lock up the hippies and the blacks because they didn't vote for him. Right. So he wanted to prosecute them for marijuana. So I started researching that hemp was the original cash crop of this country for the first 150 years. Okay, They used to actually pay people to grow hemp and stuff. We've, we, our first constitution was written on hemp. The first Bible was written on hemp. Hemp right. is American as American as apple pie, and it's been criminalized and demonized. And from that point, I remember I went to sleep and I, and I had a vision and I saw this. Okay. And from that point, the stone sailor was born. And I said, the stone sailor, I said, I'm going to be you know, the stone sailor, I'm going to push for cannabis, you know, reform because uh, especially me with PTSD from being a veteran and things, how I don't need all this other bullshit medication that they want to keep me on that numbs me down where I don't feel anything. I don't feel bad. I don't feel good. I don't feel, okay. This allows me to feel from there. I was going on about a year, still not, no movement in my legs, nothing, you know, um, The cannabis motivated me to start working out, and the pain pills made me groggy. I couldn't do anything. The cannabis elevated my mood. Okay, I'll do physical therapy today. So they would come in, and they would stretch my legs and massage them, and I would start working out my upper body. Like, I had a little thing here, like a a pull-up by my bed, and I would start pulling up my upper body and get my upper body strong, and then, you know, I have to had to learn how to transfer like go from the bed to a board to the wheelchair from the wheelchair to the toilet from the toilet to the shower I had a bench in my shower I then then from the shower to the wheelchair to the car getting in the car you know all I'm you know I'm learning this all on my own and I'm and and I remember watching it like on YouTube and I was and I would start doing it and like learning tricks and doing this and then when I would go to physical therapy I remember going in and I said guys they were teaching me the same thing right and I said guys, I want you to teach me how to live my life without this chair. Don't teach me how to live my life with this chair because I don't need you for that. I already watched YouTube and I know how to do all that. So if you can't teach me that, then I don't need you. So from that point, the they agreed they'll do it my way. And I, I started researching and I said, and I was once again using cannabis. I started learning about the strands, the sativa. The indica one is elevates your mood, gives you energy. A sativa, an indica puts you to sleep. That's a daytime. That's a nighttime. The hybrids, the RSOs, the cannabinoids, the receptors. I researched everything, and it's all, it's it's all science, and it's all proven. There's no there's no need for any more studies. This, they've been studying it for seventy five years, and the government's just been lying. Right. You know, and finally, the states are starting to take the lead. We got, what, 36 states, I believe, 37, have some some form of legal cannabis. Right. But what I remembered is George Mortarano, who was at the medium, who got a life sentence for cannabis. Yeah. And he was in my mind a lot, and he's from Philly. And I used to talk to him all the time because he's from the same neighborhood I was from. And his father was a legendary guy there, you know, a mobster. You right. know. And... Um, and and you know he has a, a a nephew that owns a restaurant and you know the you know really successful man Steve Mortarano a very successful man with a great restaurant, um, and he has one in Fort Lauderdale Cafe Mortaranos. But that's his that's his nephew, and I remember thinking Jesus Christ they gave that guy a life sentence for weed. There was other guys in there for ten fifteen years for cultivation of cannabis and all this. And I said these people don't belong in fucking prison. This drug should be, everybody should be allowed to grow this, like my own medicine cabinet. I should be able to, just like you can get an aspirin, I should be able to go into my little yard and pull some buds off, grind them up, and, you know, make a joint or or smoke it. And, well, going back, now all of a sudden, after, uh, from that point, I started learning about aquatics, like putting paralyzed people in the water to help, you know, because it's zero gravity and, and, um, you know, it helps, it, less stress on your body, zero gravity, less pain. And um, I started uh, going to the pool in my neighborhood. And they would start seeing me and I would wheel up there and people would cheer me. It was like I was rocky. And I would go to the pool and I would just throw myself in like a fucking thing like this. And then I would swim my upper body, my lower body's just dangling. And I would get to the little end and I would hold the end and I would try to do squats. And I would try to make myself walk and I would try to, I, and I I started filming all this stuff, and then out of nowhere, one morning, I, out of nowhere, I I I was my big toe on my left foot started moving, and at first I thought it was because I spasm. I yeah. get like chicken legs. I have to I have to take a and one medicine I do have to take is a is a um, anti spasm medication because my legs will spasm sometimes because I have nerve damage, permanent nerve damage, and um. I didn't know if that was me or if it was a spasm. And then I looked down and I realized it's me. I'm doing this. And it was just that little toe, that big toe on my left foot. When that started moving, it was like such a victory for me because I finally had some fucking hope that I might be able to regain some of my body again, you know? And, um... I remember it was just so emotional, I was just crying when it happened, and I was just, it was such a, it motivated me, because I was, you know, 10, 11 months with nothing, and 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 my mother would call me every day and go, did, did anything move yet, did anything move, you know, and everyone was, and I was just, and, and, and finally, and I got tired, I got sick and tired of people asking me that question every fucking day, because it was like a disappointment, you know what I mean, because I had to say nothing, and, uh, Next thing I know a couple weeks later Matt my my calf started moving my butt cheeks like everything started unlocking but in different ways you know my, my toe and then then you know this toe worked and then my calf muscle started twitching and then my gluteus maximus started twitching and then you know things like that next thing you know now I'm 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 able to move my legs a little bit and the doctors are are amazed they can't believe it and
1: this is this 10 months after you got out of the hospital a year after. Oh, a year yeah, after. Yeah, I was okay. completely
0: no movements for about ten months. Okay, I was wheelchair bound. I was in a diaper. Uh, you can't. You can't control. You got a little bug on your. Che- oh, there he oh, yeah. is. That son of a I, bug. I thought I noticed. Something. That's my OCD. I wanted to do that, but nah. I didn't do it. So, but um, the uh, I was uh, so it, it, then the next thing I know, um, I things are, are are unlocking, and now I'm like, okay, I'm going to stand. I think I could stand for the first time. And I tried it a year, at, about 12 months to the day. I went and I got in a wheelchair and I stood for the first time. I got out of the chair and I stood and My legs went like this and I pissed my pants and everything. Because my body yeah. was just like that. And um, it was an amazing moment because they said I would never be able to do that. And uh, out of nowhere, then my my my, my bladder control came back. And I remember talking to the, to to the urologist and, and he was like, I was like, uh, you know, he goes, you know, how do you feel your bladder? I said, yeah, I could feel it better. Like I I feel it. And, and I remember going, I'm going to take the catheter out and see if I could do this on my own, like urinate. Right. And all of a sudden I, I pulled the catheter out on my own right out of, you know, right out. And you know, all of a sudden, next thing I know I'm peeing on my own and I'm your bladder and your you know, the, the way I they, the, I would think the muscle it's a was, muscle. yeah, it was
1: so relaxed yes, by that point. It's yes. just it's not ready to. It, you have to retrain. You that. have
0: to exactly. You have to work it. It's a muscle. The same thing with, well, how they tell if you're paralyzed or not. It's it's pretty gross, but I'm going to tell you is your anal sphincter. They know you can't fake that. When yeah. a doctor puts his finger there, you clench. Yeah, automatically, you can't stop it unless you're paralyzed. If you're paralyzed, you have no control of it. That's why you wear a diaper. Right. Right? Same kind of concept with the, with the, um, your bladder. Right. It's a muscle. You know, you got to build it to hold. And I just started, you know, doing these exercises in my body, like contractions and things to like work them. I would contract, contract, contract and work them. Huh. I guess women call them Kegel exercises. Yeah, I, see, I was say. Yeah, women okay. do it. So exactly. So I started doing it. And then with that, all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm. I'm, uh, you know, I I, I, I could pee on my own, and I don't need a diaper anymore, and you know, and I'm I'm on a walker, and um, I start training again, you know, I start I start I start uh, hitting, it, you know, hitting it real hard because I'm like I I got momentum going, I'm not gonna let this thing stop, you know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna walk again. You know, and it was just an amazing thing. They couldn't the the urologist couldn't believe it. He's like, "You got your bladder back when you get urine function back." He's like, "That's a major." I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but he's like, "You don't understand that muscle." You know what I mean? He said, you, "You're getting that back, and it's it's a miracle."
1: You know, well, they, have, they have they have you know they have certain well, thresholds or certain things and certain things like I remember when my when my mom stopped being able to when she had a stroke and was. Yeah. In a wheelchair, they were like, "It's she's going to go downhill fast. Like as soon as you start losing moment of yeah. uh, uh, mobility, yes, you start going down. Absolutely. Like, and there's there's certain things that doctors are like, okay, this just happened.
0: Yeah, bad sign. Yeah. So the, all those bad signs were now coming back.
1: But you're reversing. I you're reversed it. It
0: reversed, and the reverse. I don't know why. I I when I was in rehab, there was a 24 year old kid that was on his way home from a concert, got in a car wreck waist neck down paraplegic uh, quadriplegic quad and I remember all the people that were like we had this young kid he was shot in the spine over a girl he was paralyzed from the waist down these are all in the rehab centers with me and I remember going back to the rehab centers and I'm now on a walker when I was with those guys in a wheelchair yeah now I'm on a walker right so I started feeling guilty because I'm like things are coming back for me but they're not coming back for these guys You know, and they're seeing me and the progress and they're putting me in the pool and Survivor guilt. Yeah. Just like for when I got back from Iraq and you know, I I, I had a a real good buddy of mine get get blown up and killed. So you have a survivor guilt. Yeah. And 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 I just I, I didn't understand why, you know why I got this back, you know, like why me and not them, you know, I'm not no more deserving than they are. Right. You know. And I just said to myself, you know, I'm I'm gonna I have to just keep moving forward and I got to get back on my feet because I got to be an example to them because if I could do it, then they could do it. So every step, you know, that every little inch I would try to gain, maybe I'd be on the walker and then I would try to get a cane and do one step and then I'd fall, hurt, you know, busted my ankle up real bad, had to get laid up again, came back again. Then I'd try to go two steps and then three steps and then, you know, with the cane and I'm, you know, like this. And I just said to myself, I got to, I got to, you know, I got to show them that that if I could do it, they could do it, you know, and I can't, I have to, you know, show them that you could beat this. You know, you could beat this. There's a lot of medical technology and things, but in the States, we're so restricted because of these stem cells and, and the fact that they won't allow uh, other countries where they could do stem cell implants in your spine and things like that. I was even looking at going to South America. They have a big stem cell thing in, in Medellin, I think, Colombia, where they'll they'll put stem cells in your injuries. A lot of uh, people are going down there because there they don't have the restrictive laws because of the stem cells with the aborted babies and all yeah, this yeah. other stuff, the placenta. It, it's just all, you know, to me, it's all bullshit. If you can help living people, help them. Right. You know what I mean? And so... Um, I just, you know, it came back to me and I, I just said to myself, you know, there's a reason why I got brought back. There's a reason I'm here that obviously wasn't, you know, because I remember just completely, you know, having a, 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 a you know, and I'm not like some super religious guy or anything like that. I'm right. very, I'm very spiritual and I know enough to know that I don't know what God looks like or what he wants and things like that. I know enough to know I don't know that. You know, but I do, I do know enough to know that there is a higher power out there, whether he looks like Jesus or he looks like whoever else, we don't know. It could be just an entity, a being, who knows. But I know there's a, there's, there's a higher power out there, you know, because this, the way your body works and how everything complements each other, you you can't, you you can't deny that. You'd have to be a fool not to think that somebody didn't, of greater intelligence, didn't create that, you know, because how your cells work and how, how I was learning how my my nerves and my signals, if they can't, if they meet a roadblock, your body will create an alternate route to get right. through. Your body does that. The doctors don't do it. Your body does it. So that design right there has got to come from someone that's intelligent, you know, super intelligent, higher intelligent. So, um, and even the best doctors don't even understand our brain and our spine. So I just know that when you get up in the morning to, well, before you, st- you know, when you stand up to go to the toilet to pee, it takes a hundred miracles to happen.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: From your brain to your spine, it takes a hundred miracles to happen, and I'll never take those miracles for granted again, ever. So, I know that, so, and and I just, from, from that point, I, I started cutting videos, and, and uh, I started my own channel, and I found that uh, people just really like hearing prison stories. Well... <laughs> I don't know what, I mean, I've done a lot in my life and I, you know, and of course well, they like, but the prison stories, they just love, they just, every time with all the things I've done in my life, like people, I would get around and it'd be crazy because I would get around like doctors, college professors, um, somebody who works in the business world, who works in, you know, corporate America and I'll sit around at the table and we're eating and everything is just directed at Tell me yeah. what it was like to work in the prison. I'm sure oh, yeah. you get, you oh, know. Oh, are you, you know, me? It's crazy. It, it's, it's,
1: I, I've said that exact scenario, what you just said. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's a doctor. Yeah. This guy is a CPA. This yeah. guy is even a police officer. Yeah. And it's like, you guys are asking me what, about being in prison, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. um, It's crazy. Yeah, it's it crazy. is. It is. You know, it so. Oh, I, I have a quick question. Shoot. Um so how long once you started before you were actually walking on your own? Because you walked in here. Yeah. Like I didn't even, I did something. No, you I, have I mean,
0: a cane. Yeah, but. I use a cane because my legs shake sometimes. I get spasms. Oh, I didn't even so, notice. See, I didn't yeah. notice that when you walked in. Yeah, I saw yeah. you holding the cane, but I yeah, didn't see yeah. you
1: using it, really. Yeah, um, I
0: spasm sometimes. or And, and I don't, sometimes, like, it's, it's weird because, like, my legs, sometimes there's a delay. So if they get too tired, sometimes I'll just fold, like, <laughs> so I use the cane. You know, it's a, some, if I feel like my legs are buckling, I can hold on to it. Okay. you know What I mean, so. But I, I mean, are you that,
1: going to the gym? Are you doing a, like leg extensions? Yeah, I'm doing. doing I, whole...
0: I, I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't run. I can't. I can't. You know, I, I, I can't do cardio. I do it on a bike. Yeah, yeah. I pedal, and I lift weights, and I, and I teach jujitsu. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I teach kids jujitsu, uh, young adults, defense and stuff. And uh, I used to roll all the time, like, you know, compete and do things like that. I can't do that kind of stuff anymore. Right. But um, I still teach
1: self-defense. I still go to class. I still do, you know, I. I pre- so how long from the point when you actually said, OK, I, this is I'm in the pool. Something's happening here. Mm-hmm. I can feel it to where you were actually walking on your own uh, from.
0: Well, I would say. Two and a half years. Oh, OK. Yeah, a little less, a little over two years, you know. Well, this
1: thing happened. mm mm-hmm. um, 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was going to say, because you walked right yeah, in here.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're looking at it. This is, okay. this is. You know, I mean, this is my, uh, you know, this, I would say six months ago, I was on a walker.
1: And you drove here? I drove here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And there's no problems with you driving. You don't feel you feel. No, no,
0: no. I'm fine. I I, with, I had to take a driving test. To, you don't know, but when you get disabled, they suspend your license. You know oh, okay. that. No. They hold it because you have to. I had to get a handicap parking sticker. Right. So when you go to do that, what they do is they tell the DMV this guy is handicapped. So now they bring you in and they make you do another driving test. Okay. Okay. So I had to come back in and do a driving test, and I passed the driving test in a wheelchair. I wheeled in, when I took it, it's like I wheeled in, I opened it, I got in the thing and, and I did it. I did the I did the driving test and I passed. You know, I okay. cheated a little. Why? What do you mean? I cheated a little. How's that? Because it was during COVID and they don't come in the car with you. They put a cell phone in there. Oh my God. So they only watch you from the waist up. They don't know what it is, but you know, I'm not divulging any. I'm not going to admit to anything else.
1: So uh, but I passed. How long have you had that? So you started a YouTube channel. Yeah how long have you had the YouTube channel
0: about a year, about a year. I, I, the first show I went on was, uh, you know, was, I, I, was watching a lot of TV because it was COVID. I was, I was paralyzed. So I started watching a lot of YouTube and a lot of stuff and I came across John and Jean, their show. And, um, I was watching it and he had, and it seemed like he had a good vibe. John, he was, you know, pushing a lot of stuff, helping kids out and things like that. And, uh, I just commented. I said it was a good show, you know, whatever. And, and he saw my name like the Stone Sailor, I guess, and looked at my my Instagram.
1: Right. Who? Who? I John A. Light. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
0: John A. Light. He was, he was a, you know, a mob guy. He was, you know, he was. Yeah, he was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, it, I know. Yeah. He was on your show. Yeah. And he, and he and then. um. But you said
1: John and Gene. I didn't know well, there was a Gene. I didn't Gene know. It
0: was John and Gene. They originally had a show. Gene Borrello and John A. Light started a.
1: That was a, before he and Mike.
0: He and Mike, yeah, before okay. he
1: and Mike. Yeah, yeah, he and
0: Mike. And and they, they had a show and I was just watching it one day and they had a military veteran on and and uh they were talking to him and, and um next thing I know, I uh I get in contact with John. I sent him a great show and then I talked to him. He he's you know, he happens to live very close, not near me but but near a relative of mine and, and um he uh, he said, you want to come on the show? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that because I, you know, I told him I was retired. You know, I, I got medically retired from the job and all that too. You know, right. so um, he said, I said, I don't know. Let me think about it and whatever. And then I said, you know what? If my story can help somebody, because I never shared like that my dad was in prison and things like that. Because when, you know, sometimes I I from my experiences as a kid. Other kids ridiculed me for that. My dad was in the newspaper because he killed somebody. My, you know, my you know all the stuff, and people knew, and and it was like you know kids weren't allowed to play with me, weren't allowed to come to my house. I wasn't allowed to go to their house. I mean, it was just a whole big thing, and I never really shared a lot of that. So that was my first time telling my whole story, you know, about what about how I grew up and things like that. Right. But I you know I always took that with me. It made me a better corrections officer. That's for damn sure.
1: Well, I mean, going on people's. Uh Channels also helps you with your channel. Oh, it'll, it'll help grow your subscribers. It helps get your story out there. Yeah, people tend to, you know, they they get they get invested in you, and then they then they they want to help support you. They you know, and they're interested in you know you interact with other yeah. people. Yeah, so it's a good way to.
0: More importantly, though, when I did his show, and it was the first time I ever talked about these things in my life. When when I when we shut down and I closed the laptop, I had never walked out of a psychiatrist's office or a psychologist's office and felt as good as I did that day. Cathartic. shut that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a purge. Absolutely. A complete
0: purge. And I felt better than any psychiatrist. And I've been to a lot of them at the VA. And I never felt as good as I did. Like, I let a big load off because I just shared it. It's out there in the open. And now everyone knows.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's so much better to just talk about stuff than than to yeah, it up. Yeah, you know. Um Okay. So anything else? What can you think of? Well I've been great, bro, because you could tell your whole story. I don't have to say anything. I don't yeah, have to do well, anything. I just you know well, so <laughs> I have my YouTube channel, <laughs> The Stone Sailor. Yeah. Um and you have a canvas line. I have line. a can
0: yep, I have I have well this is my swag line right here. This is all my shirts and I have hoodies and things like that. Right. Shirts, hoodies, cups, mugs. And as a matter of fact, it's Mother's Day and you should get and you should you need to get your mother a stone sailor mug. My
1: mom's dead. I apologize. Okay. No, how about your father? He's gone too. All right. all, how I'm about, an old man. How about bro? your girlfriend? I she, she's she's a recovering drug addict. Well, coffee she's cup. Not, she oh, drinks coffee. A it's I a coffee cup. Talking about well, that. I'm not giving her okay. Actually,
0: wait a second. Cannabis is proven to help people. They're using that to wean people off opioids.
1: I can get a coffee cup. She loves coffee.
0: Okay, but you need to look. She might want to look into that. Cannabis has is, is been proven to help people wean off of opioids. That's another great thing about cannabis. You know, so yeah, yeah. it really is. I mean, you should check into it, you know, but get her a coffee mug. Don't be a cheapskate.
1: I can't get her a coffee mug now. She just walked in.
0: She's going to, she Well, just... when she sees the coffee <laughs> mugs on my site, there she is. You're going to get a coffee mug from him. Okay, he's gonna buy it off my site.
1: I think I thought he was trying to get me to get you. Um, uh,
0: you can cannabis. get her. You can get her cannabis too. I'm like I can't get her. No, cannabis? yes, you can actually. Well, I <laughs> well, told you, cannabis is. They're using cannabis to wean people off opioids, and it's successful, very successful. Look into it if that's that's the thing. Just it's out there. The information's out there, you know, and 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 it's. Uh, it's really a miracle. There's people that are weaning off opioids, alcohol, all kinds of stuff through cannabis.
1: Well, I'll put um, we'll, we'll put the link to your YouTube channel, yeah. and um, you know, and and see if we can get some subscribers. But there's something
0: else I'm doing too, Matthew. What's that? I am now in the world of professional wrestling. I'm a manager.
1: Are you really? Yes. Yes. With who?
0: With Pro Wrestling 2.0 right now. What's what's
1: what's. Do you know who Johnny Walker? Is? I know
0: the drink Johnny Walker no, no, very no. well.
1: No, listen, we, we had a guy on here who. Oh, was a, him? Yes, yes. I
0: saw him. I liked him. He's. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. You know what bothers me? I think that was one of the best interviews I ever did. Didn't do well because people want to hear about prison stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And that guy like, him. What? Put me in touch with him. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. we've been to his. his uh, Put me in touch to his with him. Thing. He's great.
0: Yeah, I love when he was on the show. Yeah, I loved oh, it. You, yeah, you got to go, though. I mean, it's. Yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's you know, it is what it is. It's hilarious, though. He's like they got the He he focuses more on the story. Yeah, and the, the storyline. Yeah, the yeah.
0: backstory. Yeah, that's what I like. The original wrestling, the original stuff that we grew up watching in the 80s, not this Ex- stuff here.
1: Yeah. That we they're we go into yeah. the whole thing. It's great.
0: Yeah. And they, they saw some videos because, you know, I'm a character and I cut videos and promos and stuff and. One of the guys is like, "You'd be a natural to come do this. Let me train you." Yeah, well, you're so a big I, guy too. So I went down. Yeah, but I'm not. Re- I'm not going out there wrestling, and, and you know, and I'm a manager. Well, no. I'm the guy that you know cheats and 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 insults the crowd and gets you to hate me. And anytime the referee's not looking, I beat up your guy and I hit him with a cane or I strangle him or hit him and stuff like that. Yeah, you should
1: talk to him. We'll, I'm we'll a bad guy. I'll put you in touch with uh with Heather. Uh, Heather's his uh, definitely. Heather's his. What is she? Is she his manager? Not manager. She's his. Does the promotions and stuff? Whatever. his The, the, yeah, yeah. the booker
0: or whatever they yeah, call yeah. it. Booker, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Make sure he gets you a cup. Don't let him get off like that. Oh. Easy. Good. And a shirt, too. You need to get a shirt like this. See? Okay. You need to get one, too. Don't be a cheapskate, man.
1: All right.
0: On. So, But that's what right. I'm doing now. They're training me to do that, and, and uh, I'm doing that and doing a bunch of things. I, I, uh, I, I said to myself, I, I didn't learn to walk again, to walk on eggshells around anybody else ever again and i got a bucket list i've been all over the world but there's some things i still want to do and um i've always been a huge fan of pro wrestling i thought i would eventually maybe be a wrestler one day when i was a kid but that's it's a different you know things happen and but this is a cool way and they 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 saw uh, a talent in me for it so they're training me yeah they so.
1: uh, i was going to say it's like uh it was they were the um the Marvel movies before they were Marvel. Yeah, you know I'm saying They're yes. They were the good and
0: evil, the characters, good versus evil. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The storyline.
1: Yeah, definitely. You and would, you would like listen. You'd love Johnny. Yeah, Walker. Yeah, I would you'd love to
0: meet him. Yeah, I saw. I did see him. I didn't watch the whole show,
1: but I saw Bro, a little it's bit of it. So funny. Yeah, I, mean, I saw a little such, bit of it. He's just a, he's such a nut, and he's lived a life like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean,
0: please put me in contact. When I would definitely like to meet that guy. Yeah, definitely.
1: I thought it was a great. What's his
0: name? Johnny Walker. Yeah.
1: That's not. That's his Well, oh, that's members.
0: his that, that's his name.
1: Oh, what? Jeff
0: Crean, I think. Oh yeah, Jeff Crean. Yeah. All right, Jeff. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in contact, which I want you to train
1: me. You understand? <laughs> yeah, I can't think of him. This Johnny Walker. That's just him. That's his that's his yeah, yeah that's his
0: wrestling name. It's his yeah. wrestling. I'm the Stone Sailor. That's just that's, yeah. uh, but I'm the manager. You know, I definitely so.
1: I'll definitely get you in touch with him. And, definitely uh, so yeah, definitely. So what's the name of the channel, the YouTube channel? The, Stone, the Sailor. Stone Sailor.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm on Instagram, Rob Farlow, the Stone Sailor, YouTube, the Stone Sailor. Uh, Mob Swag is my is my merchandise page. Uh, you know, I'm up <laughs> she's laughing. Mob <laughs> swag. They got a bunch of guys, you know, that that uh came up with this company. And um, you know, they this is try trademark this, it's mine. And um they do all the shipping and all the yeah, logistics of it, you know. Yeah. And we split the money, so
1: yeah, I gotta I I gotta I got I gotta call him back. Do the same i'm not thing. talented like you i can't paint
0: paintings like this and
1: all that stuff i don't well, You have know design like yeah, the problem with like designing you you have to you have to really know how to design a logo you everybody thinks paint it's this. so easy you think you could paint that yeah of course Paint anything
0: well my birthday's in
1: november matt hint <laughs> thanks for well thanks for being here definitely there. thank you for having me um Alright, so if you like the video, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notifications of other videos like this. Leave me a comment in the comment section. I try and respond to all the comments, although I don't get to all of them. And uh, share the video with as many friends and family as you can possibly think of. And I appreciate it. And uh, see ya.